Good morning, church. Oh boy, so tomorrow, 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 tomorrow is a holiday. I love when they do this thing of uh, fixing the day of the week for the holiday, right? I always know how to plan for Easter. I like Labor Day because it never inconveniently falls on like a Sunday, right? When I can't take it off. Uh, it's nicely on a Monday. And, uh, you know, being a holiday, many, not all, but many businesses will be closed. And that means that most people, not everybody, but most people can stay home and rest. And that's exactly what Labor Day is for. Labor Day is the day we celebrate hard work. As, um, as I've matured a bit, not that I am there yet, but as I have matured, I've started to look differently at the idea of work. As a young man, and certainly as a boy, I used to think that work was a sort of like necessary evil that you tolerate with to make life possible, you know? It's just what you got to do. That's, that's why they call it work, son, right? Um, but in, in a perfect world, we wouldn't have to work, right? We would just sort of live at our leisure. That's the goal, right? That's what retirement looks like, right? Yeah. But that's the ideal, isn't it? Because that's what, that's what paradise looks like, right? Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they're just, you know, they got no agenda. They're just strolling around, plucking fruit off the trees and not a care in the world, right? It's not until sin comes along that Adam has to work. Right? Wrong, actually. Genesis chapter 2. So this is the second time the story of creation is told. Um, In Genesis, you get a day-by-day breakdown of creation in chapter 1, and then chapter 2 tells the story a little bit differently. Uh, Same story, though. And... Chapter 2, verse 15 says this, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Work was part of paradise. Now, me personally, I, um, I dread these things, okay? I, I dread them. When I put them on, nothing good is going to happen. Right, uh, you can see they're they're kind of stained, a brownish and greenish, um, because these are, are what I use when I do yard work. Uh, I I don't like yard work. The only people I found that like yard work are dudes that have um, riding lawnmowers. <laughs> they love it, and I'm like, of course, dude, you got a go kart and an excuse to go drive around in your yard. For me, I got to push the doggone thing, right? And then there's the edging and ah. And then there's the pulling of weeds. It's not for me, okay? Some of you are gardeners, right? Some of you, you like it. You like getting out there. And you don't garden out of necessity, right? Because they just built an HEB down the road. You're not going to starve if your garden doesn't produce. And yet you're out there, you're doing it. You're, you're getting... You, put in the work, you're getting the dirt under your fingernails, the sweat, 
dripping down your brow some days. And it's tiring, but you love doing it. And you love doing it probably in part because you like to see the thing grow. But there's a whole lot of that process that you don't see it grow, and you're still doing the work. And I think that when you come in hot, sweaty, with dirt under your fingernails, you, yeah, you do kind of feel good. You're tired, you know, but you feel good. And that's because we're made to work. We're made to work, and I know this because we're made in God's image. And we're not going to all do the same work, right? Like, like we're not all gardeners, <laughs> okay? And, and we're not all, like, artists. We're not all teachers. We're not all bricklayers, right? You've got different gifts. You've got different um, opportunities. You've got different interests. So you may not be suited to do the, the same work that your neighbor does. You may not be suited to do the work that your parents did. But you have gifts. You have interests. And there is work that you can do. We're made in God's image. And part of that means we're made to work. How, why, why does Adam have to work in the garden when everything grows already? I think the key here is that work is the only way to make things better. You can't just leave things and have them improved. You've got you to work to make things better. And it's what God did in the beginning. He didn't have to make anything, right? But he looked at the nothing that was all around him and said, you know what, I could improve on this. Day after day, he improved on it until on the sixth day he looked at what he did and he said, this is very good. Ever since then, the work that God has done is making things better. I, I think that if work if the work you do, if it really makes things better, that's one of the most gratifying things that a person can experience. This happens in different domains, right? Sometimes it's, you know, you got your honeydew list at home. Y'all know about honeydew lists? Yeah. Whenever you can cross an item off that honeydew list, gosh, that feels good. Even if it's like, you know those light bulbs in the bathroom? I changed those light bulbs for you. You're welcome. Like, big deal. <laughs> it's a 30-second job, but you cross it off the list, it feels good, right? Maybe it's, um, maybe it's hitting the gym, you know? And, and you're, you leave the gym, and you're sweating, and you're physically hurt, you know? But hopefully if you did it right, it's the right kind of hurt and not the wrong kind of hurt. You walk out of there and you feel good because you know you made yourself a little bit better that day. You got a big project coming up at work. Maybe you don't even bring it to completion, but you move it forward. You walk away from that and you feel good because you made it a little bit better. Work, when it's making things better, is a really gratifying thing. But 
we aren't made to work all the time. We're also made to rest, just like God did. Six days, God makes the universe, which I'd say is pretty darn efficient. Um, But on the seventh day, he rested. Do you ever ask yourself why? Because, like, he wasn't tired. It's not like he, he was like, oh, you know, gosh, that really took a lot out of me. I'm going to catch my breath here. I think, God, I think there's two reasons why. Right? The second one you probably already know, but the first one I'm going to tell you. I think the first reason that he rested, he, he paused from all that he had done, was he could stop and enjoy it. He looks down at his creation on the sixth day and says, it's very good. So he spends the seventh day enjoying it. You know, like that feeling after you finish cutting the yard and edging it. As much as you might not enjoy that, as as much as I don't enjoy that process, (laughs) there is that thing about I push the mower into the garage, I close the garage door, and then you look at the yard and go, that's nice, that looks nice. I think God did that. And I think it's appropriate that we should do that too. Pause to celebrate what we've done. In our reading today, we read from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there is a season for everything. Some of you in your head were saying, turn, turn. Um, there's a season for everything. And, and that, that, that section of Ecclesiastes is very uh, famous, probably the most famous section out of the whole book. And there's a lot you could pull out of that, you know, that you could learn from. But there's a real simple lesson sitting on top that I think is worth talking about today. And that is that creation and life in particular, it's about cycles. And it's about balancing, right? It's, it can't be spring all year long. It certainly can't be fall all year long. Like, you, you're out of leaves real fast. You know, you got to grow some new leaves for them to fall again, Right? Sometimes you're in a building stage. Sometimes you're in decline. There's going to be highs. There's going to be lows. And it's unnatural to expect it to always be highs. Highs and lows are natural. And you know, the highs and the lows help you understand the other one, right? When you're in the low, it helps you understand the high. When you're in the high, it helps you understand the low. But the bigger point that goes through Ecclesiastes, through the whole book and through your whole Bible, is that through the highs and the lows, God is still God. Through it all. 
and it is well with me. Because he is the God in the highs and the lows, that's the only way we get to rest. Right? Here's what I mean by that. If you can't trust God to be God, then you can't let go. If you can't trust God to be God, then you can't afford to rest. Somebody will outcompete you. Something will sneak up on you. There's always more to do. And if you can't trust God to be God, if, and there's always more to do, then if you don't do it, then what? But if you can trust that God will provide, that he does provide, if you know that he loves you more than the flowers of the field and the birds of the air, would it be okay to let go a little bit? Would it be okay to stop and catch your breath? Could you pause from your work for a moment to just be grateful and enjoy it? The bit of Ecclesiastes that I really want to talk about today is not that poem that we're so used to hearing about, you know, a time for this and a time for that. Here's the part I really want to talk about. I perceive that there is nothing better for people than to be joyful, to do good as long as they live, also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. That is God's gift to man. Eat, drink, take pleasure in your toil, in your hard work. Right? Getting to do that is a gift from God. I, a, a pastor friend of mine once um, told me that Christians don't work to earn our rest. We're given rest as a starting place. Right? He said it this way. He said, we don't work for rest. We work from rest. So when we talk about all this hard work and rest stuff, obviously it applies to our professions, right? That's the, since we're talking about Labor Day, that's the obvious application. So let's start there. If you enter into your vocation as people who are coming from rest, as people who are provided for, then you've got a different motivation to be there. You can enter into your profession because that's a place where God, where you can use your God-given gifts. Uh, it's a place where you can spend your time and you can, you can use your energy in a way that pleases God. You're not there to grudgingly grind out work to make a buck because God provides for you. You're there to live out all the gifts he's given you. And then at the end of the day, if you've given it your best effort, you can take your rest, knowing that you have accomplished what you set out to do, even if your earthly boss is a jerk. I'm not, probably not allowed to say that in church, am I? Arthur, even if your boss, he's the worst. 
Even if your clients are dissatisfied with you, they might be impossible to satisfy. But you can sleep soundly if you know that you have done what God has asked you to do. While we could talk about this in the, in the earthly kingdom, I think it's important that we talk about this in the heavenly kingdom too, right? In God's kingdom. Because there's a lot of people, and, and most religions will try to tell you that, that you've got to work to earn God's favor, right? He's going to pick from the best. You've got to kind of work for your spot at being the best. So maybe those folks do good out of a sense of obligation, or maybe out of a sense of fear, right? Well, if I'm not good enough, then God will deal with me accordingly. If you're trying to earn God's favor through work, then, then you hope that God will see you as a good person. But there's always more that you could do. How will you ever be sure that you did enough? I can promise you you will never be done because there's always more to do. But that's not how it works with us, right? Jesus doesn't say, work your tail off for me and I will welcome you in. What he says is, come unto me and I will give you rest. We don't have to earn our place with God. God loves us already. We don't have to be good for God to accept us. Because God makes us good. He gives us his goodness. We don't have to chase after righteousness. We get to rest in Jesus' righteousness. But as you're there resting, looking out the world in front of you, you start to realize, but there's a lot that I could do. There's a lot that I should do. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. There's a lot of people out there who need love and compassion. There are a lot of people who need to see and hear and experience the gospel of Jesus Christ. <coughs> and God has made you to do that work. How beautiful is that? He made you to be part of the business of saving lives. He made you uniquely the way that he did so that you can play a part in changing hearts. He made you with your gifts, your talents, with your heart to show people the goodness of God. Are you going to do it perfectly? No. Are you going to get it all done? No. There's always more work to do. But when we start to see the work of God from his perspective, not as an obligation pressed upon us, but as an opportunity to step into, then you can take pleasure in the work. And at the end of the day, find rest in Him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You that You have done it all for us. We thank You that Christ has given his righteousness to us. We thank you that, that you laid out for us as a gift a day of rest every week. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we would trust in your provision, that we would trust that you have done it all. 
We trust in your love and your generosity. So we don't stress ourselves taking on responsibilities that are yours. By the same token, Lord, we pray that as you have given us rest, you would spur us on by your Holy Spirit to do the work that you have laid out for us. We know, Lord, that there's a lot of people who need to to taste and see that you are good, people who need to hear the gospel, who need to see it lived out for them to believe. And I pray, Lord, that you'll make us those people, people who in every way demonstrate your gospel to the world because we are refreshed, made new in you. All these things we pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.